What is up, college lacrosse fans? Here is episode number 42 of the Lax Factor podcast. We're going to kind of try to stick to the to the, the podcast format when we'll have varying topics and we'll do our specials and the shows that'll branch off of that. But we're going to start numbering these and we're calling this one number 42 because we're infinitely creative here. Um, so today we're going to talk about the Syracuse lacrosse roster and how it's shaping up for 2020. We're not going to get into... Uh, recruits and things like that. What we're going to talk about is the guys that they have currently sitting on the roster that are coming back, the transfer, uh, huge transfer, as everyone knows, Chase Scanlon. So that's what I want to talk about. Before I do, as always, be sure to like and subscribe and uh, hit the notification bell so that you're pinged in your pocket when we put out new videos. Also, if you want to support us, you can go to laxfactor.com and we have a ton of swag. We've got, you know, these shorts here. We got a bunch of these pairs. Uh, left on hand, I think three to four. Or so we've got these old ones. These we printed these many moons ago. These uh, kind of blue argyles. That's the only pair of these we have left. That's a medium. And uh, then we got the new pair of Maryland flag that we just got in. Uh, we have two pairs of these left, and then they'll go on pre-order again until uh, uh, early to mid-August or so is when they'll ship again. But you can quickly snag up the last pair of these. I believe we have an XL and a large of those left. And again, be sure to like and subscribe, but let's get into this and talk about the 2020 Syracuse roster, the returning players. The Lats Factor Podcast. So we're going to kind of go through offensive guys first. I'm doing them kind of in, in order of number. And uh, I'm going to talk about uh, the first guy I want to talk about. Didn't have a huge 2019. Number two, Griffin Cook. Um, he will be a sophomore. He played a little bit of mid and got a little bit of time at attack in 2019. He ends up putting up four goals and four assists as a freshman at Cuse. A lot of us at Cuse, when we get these blue chippers like Cook, we hope they come in and that they tear it up. We hope they, we were hoping they were going to give him the 22 when he was going to put up 30, 40 points as a freshman. Didn't happen. Uh, at Syracuse, they're, they're wary of giving freshmen the time. They they really have been more into developing players. And as you can see, they've had huge, huge success with that. Look at uh, Brad Voigt. He's a player that they've been developing slowly but surely since he was young. He's been playing a lot of uh, a big role on the man up uh, unit for the last two years and then thrust into a starting role as a senior. And he trashed on the Division One landscape as one of the best off-ball attackmen in the country. So I think that... We're used to getting – we're not even used to it anymore, but us old guys were used to having the Casey Powell, Ryan Powell, Mike Powell, Hardy come in. Uh, and before that, we had the Gates and Lockwood and Colsey. We've always had huge blue-chip athletes that have been four, four-time four All-Americans at Syracuse, and we don't have that anymore, but they're developing talent in, in great ways. And I don't think this is going to be any different with Griffin Cook. He, he showed flashes of what we wanted to see, what we hoped to see. He had a huge game against Hopkins, uh, put up two goals. I think it was Hopkins. No, Rutgers. He put up two goals and Rutgers and, and the Syracuse offense was struggling. So Desco put some of the younger guys in and they delivered in that game. So I expect, I think that he could be a 15-point guy in 2020. If he gets on the field, I think he can be a 15-point guy. It's a crowded midfield, and now we've got a crowded attack. Uh, I think that we we could see him sneak into that third attack spot, or maybe we end up seeing him share that third attack spot with Tucker Dordovic and himself kind of sharing it, and or maybe he ends up running mid. I'm not sure. The mid's a little crowded too. But if he can get time, I think that he this kid could be a 15-point guy in 2020. He's quick, shifty. He flashes well. 
um, finishes well, but he needs, but he, he, he needs looks. He's, he looks like the kind of kid that if you get him reps and he settles into a game, he's going to be dangerous. The more comfortable he is taking chances, especially in being aggressive, aggressive, the more dangerous he is. I felt like early in his freshman year, he, when he did get time, he was often the, the second assist kind of guy. If they kept a tra- kept track of second assists, I, assists, I think he would have had a couple more a couple of those early on in the 2019 season. Alas, they don't. But I, 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 I'm feeling good about what this kid could bring to the table, and I'm hopeful that he gets a little bit more time and develops into the player that we all hoped he was going to be and know that he can be. Uh, the next guy I want to talk about is number nine, Peter Durth, a senior midfielder. In 2019, he put up six goals and an assist, 29 ground balls. More importantly, 15 caused turnovers with a short stick at midfield. So the kid plays defense, and he is incredible between the boxes, as evidenced by his six goals and a helper. I I, I, I expect him to improve upon his seven-point performance in 2019. There's no reason to think he won't as long as he stays healthy. I think 10 points, maybe more, are going to be in order. I don't see him going the the way of a, a Joel White, where by his senior year, Joel White was an offensive midfielder, defensive midfielder. He did everything, and he was on the field most of the time. Uh, but I do think that he'll get a few more looks and he'll be a little bit more aggressive in transition, transition play. And maybe he'll float onto the field a little bit more as well. Um, just between the boxes, though, is where he excels. He he creates a lot of turnovers, uh, you know, between midfield and the box. He creates a lot of turnovers just in a six-on-six set. He ends up being the guy that picks up a lot of the ground balls that the Syracuse defense put on the deck, and that may be where he gets credited with some of those turnovers, possibly. But And he picked up 29 ground balls. So, I mean, he's not Ryan Conrad by any means, but he is as solid of a two-way midfielder as you're going to get these days. So I expect for him to have a, a huge senior campaign at Syracuse. The next guy I want to talk about, he has been one of my favorite middies for Syracuse. Uh, he kind of reminds me, I'm not even going to say who he, who he reminds me of, but uh, Jamie Tromboli, number 12, he's going to be a senior this year. Uh, 24 goals, 9 assists, 33 points, 16 ground balls in 2019. I think last year he was Syracuse's all-around best midfielder. I think he was their best offensive threat overall. Uh, the kid can rip rope from out top. He can rip rope while dodging down the alley. He's got a great great shot on the run while moving. He can, But he's also uh, adept at that two-step dodge where he kind of catches a ball 12 yards out, can make like a two-step dodge, and then get a shot off on the run there also. I figure with Tromboli, we're probably looking at 30, 35 points, 40 points. The only reason I think you might see some of these midfielders for Syracuse not improve upon their point totals is A, Syracuse tends to split time pretty evenly be- between their first and second line. So I think that if they do that again, which I don't like, that's going to limit his ability to improve upon his numbers. Um, and also there's going to be a lot, I think the attackmen are going to eat a few more points than they, they typically have in the, in the last two years since Tromboli has been with the orange, but I figure it's a huge win for Tromboli if he has a 30 plus point season. But I think if, if called upon, he can put up 30 to 40 for sure in 2020. So Jamie Tromboli, he, uh, out of Victor, actually great, great lacrosse player. He's going to have a huge season for the orange. And it's just one of the reasons we should be optimistic coming into 2020, um, with how the orange are going to finish up. Uh, next guy. 
I want to hit up here. And uh, the, these guys play incredibly well together. Probably the, the one of the most dynamic duos at the midfield uh, in the country uh, is Brendan Curry, Jr., uh, this coming up season here in 2020. In 2019, 19 goals, 14 assists, 33 points, 22 ground balls. Another really high-ceiling player, just like Tromboli. He wasn't far behind Tromboli in terms of being their best midfielder. A lot of guys would say he was their best midfielder, and his points were a little bit more evenly distributed. But uh, I think that they just both do well what they're built to do well. Uh, Curry's going to be a, he's a slightly he's a lankier dodger and he, he gets the edge well, but he does get pushed around, I think, a little bit more than Tromboli does, but does all the same things as Tromboli. He can rip shots from out top, he can shoot well down the alley. He, uh, he, he, his shooting percentage isn't as good as Tromboli's both. I think Tromboli was in the 27%, 29% range. And, uh, his, uh, Curry's is only 24% off 91 shots. So both of them need to improve there, but Curry, especially so, but you know, Curry's got a, another year under his belt here in 2020. So as a junior, I'd expect to see that go up a little bit. I think that Curry, he's going to go for 30 or 42. I think him and Tromboli are kind of married in terms of their point totals. But what I love about these two kids is they play incredibly well together. They, Syracuse likes to run kind of a three-man game with two of their, their top two dodging mids. Actually, they're three dodging mids, and then the crease attack that works heavily into it. At least last year it did. So it's almost like a four-man game out top. And and Curry and Tromboli feed well off of each other. One of them could be the, the dummy dodge down the right. They kick the ball back, and the other gets that two-step dodge down the other alley uh, to score a goal. They play really well together. They know each other really well. So it'll be exciting to see these guys just one more year together under their belts. Uh, but w- once again, in, in reason for us to be excited. These guys are great lacrosse players, and they're going to do big things running that first uh, midline for Syracuse. Another guy I really like, and, and he shared a lot of time with both of these guys. We, we pretty much have our entire first midfield line unit coming back from last year, and we haven't even gotten into Tucker Dordovic, who sat 2019 out with an injury. But uh, number 20, David Lipka. He'll be a junior midfielder coming up this season. 14 goals, 10 assists, 24 points, 11 ground balls. He was the third guy that kind of anchored that first unit. Had a very solid 2019. Played well late in the season specifically. Played well against Rutgers. Prototypical midfielder on this roster, though. He can dodge when called upon, and he does it well, and he can shoot from outside. His shooting percentage is lower than all of theirs, so he does have to improve upon that. He shot about 20%, which isn't good enough, but it, you know, as the third midfielder on that line, uh, I would expect that number to be a little bit higher. He's good from dodging from the wing, a little bit better from that wing spot than the other two midfielders on that first line. They inverted him here and there a little bit, but he dodges really well from that area of goal line extended, and uh, he's shown that ability to get underneath, kind of like Chase Scanlon had that same ability. It's just not at that same level. Uh, I think he should go for 20 plus 25 goals or 25 points. I should say in 2020, his production, I think will simply stall as the result of once again, the attackman eating some points. So I don't see him, you know, going much beyond 20 to 25 unless he really just pumps that shooting percentage up. But there's, when you have a, a first midfield unit for Syracuse, where every guy is a uh, 30 plus point score, um, or I guess 24 plus point score, that's, that's reason to be optimistic again. So that whole first midfield line for Syracuse 
comes back and that's going to be huge. And then we add in Tucker Dordovic. So what happens if Dordovic ends up running midfield? I presume he'd be on that first line um, with uh, Tromboli and and what a first line that would be. But uh, if Dordovic plays attack, then I think you see Libka keep that spot. And I think you'd see Cook probably play a second line midfielder with the next guy I wanted to talk about. Number 31, Jacob Buttermore. He's going to be a junior this upcoming season, had a breakout sophomore year, mostly as a sniper from downtown. The kid proved that he can finish from downtown and it's not the it's not just the flashy shots that stick corner. The kid is just a goal scorer, very much like Trimboli, where he, he's putting shots on cage and, and changing the elevation. Buttermore does that incredibly well. In 2019, 20 goals of just 50 shots, 40% shooting percentage, and a lot of his shots were 12 yards and beyond. He scored a couple 15 yards and beyond. So 20 goals, three assists for 23 points, and just five ground balls uh, running on that second midfield line. And, and I think they did kind of interchange these kids a little bit. I think one thing with Buttermore, he's good off ball as well. Scores, a, you know, he'll score a goal on the crease on a man up or as a cutter as well. All of the Syracuse midfielders are pretty good system players in that way, which is why they've had success without the five star recruits that they're they've they've gotten uh, in the past because they are doing a really good job of developing these kids, and all of these kids are doing a great job of playing within the system. And I, and the system at Syracuse is actually pretty stringent. It's not the freewheeling play that you used to uh, enjoy since the days of Rice and company and Donahue. The, the offense is really kind of stuck with that theme of being surgical in the way they run and continually attack you. Once they have the ball on offense, they will attack and attack and attack, but they're going to do it intelligently. They're typically going to take care of the ball, and they'll only push in transition where where they have it. They don't typically force as much anymore. So uh, another one of those players, I think that he just needs to improve a little bit in his dodging. So maybe we see that that pick up a little bit in in. Uh, 2020, but we might not have to. I mean, if he's got Cook or or Lipka or some of those guys on the line with him, then he might not have to create as much as of, of his own offense and can just continue to be a a off ball midfielder that can snipe from anywhere. Um, and and maybe that's going to be what they want him to do because that'll keep the defenses honest as they're trying to sl- slide to the dodging midfielders or attackmen because he's always a threat out top. So we'll see how that works out, but I think he'll have a big season, and I, I, I suspect he's going to probably be in the area 20 to 25 points again. I think that, as I keep saying, he's not going to get into the 25 and 30. We're not going to see all these mids escalate and improve upon their scoring numbers, especially not this year with a, a stronger attack. I, I don't want to say a stronger attack unit. Last year's attack unit was pretty damn strong, and I think it'd be hard to beat that, but I think Chase Scanlon brings a little bit more of a, a dodging mind to the group, and I think him and Rafis will play great together. So I, I feel like the attack unit's not going to fall off of where they were, and I think that uh, just based on the evenness throughout this roster, I think that the attack will naturally get a few more points. And I think Rafis will probably impo- be able to impose himself a little bit more than he was able to last year with his health troubles and all that. So anyway, I expect Buttermore to have a good season. Now we start getting into the the real two attackmen here. Uh, so we're going to talk about number 22, the transfer from Loyola, Chase Scanlon, sophomore attack uh, this year. He was a midfielder for Loyola last year. But at, at midfield, as a freshman for Loyola, look at these numbers. 43 goals, 15 assists, 58 points, 23 ground balls, 35% shooting percentage. So right off the bat, he'd be Syracuse's best shooter in terms of just finishing capability on the roster this year. He proved that he could do it all at Loyola. He created his own offense, and he lived off ball as well and, and did a great job, not just off of Pat Spencer. I mean, he was able to feed off other players in man-up sets and just basic motion sets as well. Very capable dodger, 
Uh, excellent off-ball player, as I said. He'll anchor the attack at Syracuse for sure. I think coming in, he's probably our number one guy. Rafis could be, midfielders could be, but I think Scanlon, with the attention on him, with the twenty-two, uh, with the number 22, with being recognized as an All-American as a freshman, I think all eyes are on this kid, and he needs to produce. I think he'll definitely be able to handle the pressure of long poles. I hear a lot of people say, moving down to attack, he's going to have to deal with poles. That's no thing for Scanlon. He's going to be okay with the long poles. And you think about it. He puts up 58 points, 43 goals off just 121 shots on a team that had Pat Spencer on it. So granted, Loyola was very upbeat and took a lot of shots, and they played fast and took a lot of chances. But Spencer demand, and, and yes, Spencer demanded the attention, but so are the guys that are going to be playing alongside of Scanlon. It's not like defenses are going to be able to focus on Scanlon and forget about everyone else. Syracuse has more depth in their offensive roster than Loyola did last year in terms of they, they two midfield line uh, two midfield lines deep can snipe you from out top with Syracuse. So they're not going to be able to just key on him and forget about everybody else. It's not going to happen. I think that he he's going to do well in wearing the number 22 and I think he'll make number 22 proud. I think he's going to repeat as an All-American in 2020. I expect he's going to be, you know, put up in the area of 55 to 65 points. Cuse is a different system. So he's not necessarily even going to improve upon his point total uh, from his freshman year, although he could, but I'd I'd say 55 is probably his 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 basement 50 to 55 and I think his ceiling is about 65 in this offense but I hope he proves me wrong and goes for 85. Uh so that different style I think will slow him down and keep him out of the 70 mark but uh but he's going to earn the number 22. Uh we'll make him earn it, you know, as Q's fans because we're kind of like Giants fans in the way that we we we're quick to be excited and we're quick to get angry, but I think that he's going to to make us proud and do well with that number. And now we move on to the injured wonder, Tucker Dordovic. Kid had a breakout freshman year in 2018, 15 goals, five assists, 20 points, nine ground balls, but he sat out all of 2019 with an injury. He was one of Cuse's best mids in 2018, right alongside of Tromboli. Scored the game winner and a hat trick against UVA in their first meeting uh, against Virginia when they played them down in Charlottesville on the road. Word is, and this is from multiple people, uh, that he will probably uh, see a look at attack, or maybe we'll see a look at attack with Rafus and Scanlon. I don't know why that is, if that's uh, part of his recovery from injury, if they just like that look down there. I, th- I expect maybe Cook and him will probably be the ones to get a lot of looks and fall ball in that third attack spot. Uh, what do we expect from a kid coming back from a from an injury? I mean, Dordovic's a good kid, and Dordovic has a lot of heart. So I think 20 to 30 points isn't unreasonable uh, if he plays attack maybe more. Um and he could end up being our leading scoring midfielder. It's it's hard to say. Tromboli and Curry are both so good. I, I have a hard time seeing him just hop on that first line and just totally outscoring them. Uh, but I think that that first line, if he ends up playing midfield, will all probably be pretty level in terms of their points. And that will be a scary offensive midfield line for people to have to try to guard. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how he bounces back. It'll be interesting to see where they put him. But I expect big things out of Dordovic as long as he can stay healthy and he's a great kid. We get into the other attackman. Uh, number 29, Stephen Rafis. He'll be a senior uh, coming up this season. 18 goals, 21 assists, 39 points, and 22 ground balls. And he had a terrible start to his season. He was battling an injury and some health problems at the beginning of the year. So pretty much his first two or three games were a toss. I think he had two points over the first two or three games. And then he puts up you know, 35 or so in, in the rest of, over the rest of the season. Ended up having a great season to finish off if it wasn't for that, that slow start. Uh, 
So hasn't developed into the elite Dodger that I thought he was. As a freshman, he was their best Dodger. There was a couple of games, I want to say UNC, his freshman year, where Syracuse was struggling. They throw him down on an attack, and he puts up three points towards the end of that game to get Syracuse back in it, and and they win that game partially because of that freshman and his dodging ability. That hasn't progressed, and I'm wondering if that played into his injury this year. He had a really good sophomore season. I expected for him to be their best player and leading scorer his junior year, and he just didn't look like himself. And even towards the end of the season, he still wasn't creating, didn't seem to have that pep in his step that he had and the ability to create separation. That could be a product of drawing the number one pole, possibly, but I'm, I'm not sure. But either way, I think he's going to have a much better season uh, in 2020. I think he's going to be an All-American candidate. You know, I think he has the potential of being that good in 2020 and playing alongside Scanlon, certainly going to elevate his play a little bit, I think. But uh, I, I'd say 45 points out of Rafis is reasonable in uh, next year. There, there's no reason to think that he can't, and as long as he's healthy, you know, for the full season and can get a full fall ball underneath him. I think that 40, 45 points and possibly more, he could go for 50 plus if him and Scanlon really gel. And I think him and Scanlon are going to really gel. Rafis is good off ball and as a Dodger, Scanlon is good off ball and as a Dodger and whoever they put, whether it's Dordovic, Cook or whoever else, it sounds like for the first time in a while, Syracuse may have three legitimate dodging ball handling attackmen. They haven't done that in a long time where we've had three guys that could carry the ball all pretty equally on attack. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. And uh, now we get into the defense here. We've talked about our offensive homies and I'm not going to go too deep into the defense, partly because it's just harder to get good footage and to watch all of these plays. But one huge returner on the defensive side of the ball is Drake Porter. He'll be a senior goalie. Last year, he put up one of the best seasons as a goaltender for Syracuse since Galloway did it back in the old days of lacrosse, 56.2% save percentage. It'll be hard for him to improve upon that. I, I think that what we're looking for is for him to just be be solid and steady and consistent like he was last year and to stay in that 56% range. We've lost a lot on the defensive side of the ball, so I think that's going to hurt because we're going to have some newcomers that are going to have to step up and and carry some of that weight. But I think as long as he can be solid, stay at that 56% point, I would be happy. Nine wins, five losses over his first season as a, as a starter, just a monster season as a junior. And um, – while I say we lose a lot of guys, we have a lot of important pieces coming back as well. So I think that repeating his success should be very doable. I think that outdoing it's going to be hard just because I feel like teams are going to get a few more looks on him and a few more quality looks this year over the case uh, over the course of the season. If he can go 58 to 60 percent and just continue to progress as a ball stopper, though, it's going to be scary. And he's going to be a huge key in whether or not Syracuse makes it back to the final four. But once again, he, he's certainly capable of handling it. So that's good. Um, big, big cat on defense. Uh, number 21, Nick Mellon. He'll be a senior this year, widely regarded as one of the best on ball cover guys in lacrosse. Now, Pat, uh, Pat Spencer exposed him, didn't expose him. Pat Spencer handled him in uh, the, the quarterfinal game, but that they had Mellon on an Island and they really weren't sliding to Spencer. So that's going to happen. That was part of their defensive strategy was pretty much let Mellon handle Spencer. And we got to try to stop everybody else. And for most of the game, it worked even when Spencer was, was beating up on Mellon where it stopped working was towards the end of the game when the other guys started breaking down and getting beat as well. So, but, but his, his numbers, 31 ground balls, 19 cost turnovers. That's not, those aren't the numbers of an elite long pole. They, you know, your elite long poles are typically going to get into the 20s for cause turnovers. The, the difference with Mellon is teams didn't even try him 
even Cornell with Jeff T avoided Mellon like AIDS and just did not test him going to the rack. And that was all year, especially the lower teams. They didn't even attempt to go on, on Mellon over the course of the season. So even though Spencer, uh, Spencer smoked him pretty badly over the course of that quarter quarterfinals game, Mellon is still one of the best on ball defenders in the country and that will continue. And he will be the anchor of this defense. Uh, for sure. I'm almost hopeful that Spencer beating him up in the quarterfinals makes teams a little cavalier against him this year and get more looks against him because if he gets more runs, if attackmen take more runs at him, that's going to equal more cause turnovers for him. So I'm sure Mellon hopes that teams are going to try to take advantage of him uh, a little bit more than they did, but I don't expect we'll probably see that. Uh, the other guy I'm really excited about is uh, number 17, Brett Kennedy, junior long stick midfield. We may even, I don't think we're going to see him uh, playing close defense uh, completely, but I think we may see him get a little bit more time at close defense. I think he'll, he'll still obviously be on the wins because he's a spark plug off of the wing on faceoffs and just between the boxes in, gen, in uh, general. The ginger uh, wonder, he's capable, very capable on ball defender, although he chases a bit and uh, he does get beat a lot. But he 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 more than makes up for it overall in his ground ball hawking prowess, 44 ground balls, and then offensively three goals, two assists. Uh, so he's going to give up a couple of goals here and there, but he's also going to score a couple of points here and there. And then he'll get a lot of those second assists that don't necessarily translate. 13 cost turnovers for an LSM, especially an offensive-minded LSM. That's great. Um I think his biggest strength definitely transition play and between the boxes and the the five points are evidence of that. He but he is he's legitimately one of the best LSMs between the boxes in the country. I expect five to ten points out of him in twenty uh, in twenty twenty. No reason to, to think that won't happen, and he's going to be a a huge key on this defense and and will be expected to be a leader as a junior this year. And uh, we have another good LSM. That's we're kind of LSM heavy here. Is uh, forty eight Jared Fernandez junior uh, this season thirty six ground balls and thirteen. Turnovers as well. Great between the boxes as well, although not that kind of offensive guy. He's not necessarily going to score a goal, as evidenced by the fact he didn't put up any points, but he's going to pick up the tough ground balls and get them from point A to point B. And he does that as well as anyone, and he's great on the wings and faceoffs. I expect for him 45 plus ground balls, probably 17 to 20 cause turnovers in that area, especially if he gets a little bit more burn because Kennedy may end up uh, playing a little bit. I picture them running Kennedy off the wing and then in settled situations, maybe putting. Kennedy down on close D. He actually did really well as a freshman spelling uh, Bomberry when he was hurt at close D. So interesting to see. And listen, I didn't get into everybody. There's more guys. There's recruits coming in also, but just a bunch of reasons to be optimistic that Syracuse is going to have a good team and uh, come 2020 and that it's going to be. It, there's a lot of, for me at least, after covering lacrosse this much, I look at other teams and obviously there's other teams that are a little bit scarier than Syracuse. Virginia, Duke's going to be scary, especially because they don't have as much depth coming back, but they bring every year Duke is going to bring in a new freshman that's you know about to tear people up. So lots of other good teams that we're going to profile and we're going to continue the series. I'm going to do Virginia next and then I'm just going to roll and do as many of these over the summer as I can. So obviously I wanted to do Q's first because I love the orange and I know a lot about them. But uh, the next video you'll see next week that we uh, profile a team, it's going to be Virginia. So as always, be sure to like and subscribe, hit the notification bell. You can go to laxfactor.com and get yourself some swag. If you need team gear, we also sell team gear. So if you've got a club team uh, or an, or you know a, an actual you know school team or whatever whatever it may be, if you need some gear, you can get a hold of us and we can do custom gear as well. As always, thank you for watching, and I'm out.